My name is Tim. My wife's name is Courtney. We have three boys named Elijah, Judah, and Benjamin. And we have been overseas uh, for the last 10 years, coming in and out. There's a picture of the boys hanging out with the people. And you can guess who's ours. <laughs> Courtney really wanted to adopt the other ones. Uh, but uh, by God's grace, every single one of those boys believe in Jesus today. Because, amen. All right. So this is going to be a timeline we're going to talk about in a little bit. Before we get there, I want us to read chapter 28, line 18. Chapter 28, line 18. This is Jesus talking. He's talking to the 12 disciples. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus told this to a group of guys, and he said, here's the mission from now on. I want you to tell the gospel about me to every nation. If this nation has it, then I want you guys to go to the next nation and tell them and the next people group. There's a lot of people groups in this world. It's not just English. It's not just America. And I heard this message and I thought, okay, I'll go. Where do you want me to go? And the Lord showed me a place. Now, I didn't hear this audible voice, you need to go here. I'm 18 years old at the time. I just, he said, go. We got to do it. Where do, you, where do we need to go? Where do they need? Where has it not been preached? Where is the good news about Jesus Christ never been preached? There's a place called Papua New Guinea. And if you throw that map up, I'll show you the map. Now, this map on the right side is Papua New Guinea. The left side is Indonesia. Now, who can tell me what those dots represent? Just call it out. Tribes, that is very true. What's another true thing about those dots? Languages. That's the size of California. Languages. And that red dot is where we went. You see, there's tons of these languages, over 50, asking for missionaries to go and tell them the good news. Now check this out. Follow me in a little story here. Let's say, let's just say, so this isn't true, it's a parable. Just want to make sure you know where we're going. Someone in a nearby home can't make it here. She's older and she cannot make it to North Point. But she sees the guy in the other room die. And she remembered him talking about God and this Bible. And she's like, you know what? Most people don't die like that guy. He's dead. He's gone. He was 103. I'm 101. Follow me here. 
And she thinks to herself, I would love for someone to tell me what that guy believed because it really looked like he had peace when he died. Most of the other guys don't in this nursing home. And so she writes a letter and she sends it, postmarks at North Point. And then they read the letter up front. Is there anyone who would spend two hours a week to go talk to this 101-year-old lady who really wants to hear, but she can't make it here to, to walk her through this book? Would anybody go? What just happened in your heart? You feel a little tug? Well, you, you want to hear? Of, of course, two hours a week. I can do that. Okay. We get to Papua New Guinea. We open up this drawer. There's a stack of letters this big. Over 200. Representing over 75 language group dots. North Point has now sent me to go preach the gospel and make disciples of one of these. How do I say no? Who am I then to say no to? And, and yes, I just, oh my goodness. We're making the choice between life and death. I just, I remember thinking, Lord, which one of these do you want me to go? I, I can't go to all 75. One of them's been waiting 21 years, one of them nine, one of them one. And then I read the next letter nine years ago, the next letter one year ago, and he's saying, if this is really real, I hope you send someone. If this is really real, I hope you send someone. That's what it said in that letter. Unfortunately, there was more than one letter that said that. Which one do you choose? There's only one of you. There's so many more who need to hear. So many more missionaries who need to go and tell them. Not many people can be their voice, and I hope to be their voice to you this morning so that we would send more. So we picked one. By prayer, Yembe Yembe is where we went. And we went and built a house with them and lived among them. And we learned their culture and language. So if you fly in, this is what you would see. Uh, there wasn't this airstrip before. Airstrip became uh, built after a while. And then if you fly in, this is what you'll see. You see the village right across. And we lived right there. And that was our neighborhood. The whole love your neighbor as yourself. That was our neighborhood. Woohoo! And then... There, there's our boys. Okay, this picture represents becoming like them, becoming with them, being in the world but not of the world. We're like this before we tell them this word. Because we came to preach the gospel to them. And so we went around and we uh, learned how they get their meat from Meyer. This is real. Three people asked me last service, is that real? Yeah. That'd be kind of weird if it was fake. No, this is real. A funny story, because your last service and we can go along. Um, no, I'm kidding. This, I've sent three of these over, and this is the only one that made it. Okay? It was so funny. They said, well, try and screw it to a coffee table. Now it's part, it's a furniture. So we did. Hope there's no customs agents in here. 
delete this part of the message. Um, so we screwed it to a coffee table. It made it through. So here it is, 13 foot. All right, and they, this is how they would do it. You know, you're standing in a canoe. Half the men are naked. This is a true story. Don't think of that. Don't picture that. But just picture. <laughs> they said, Tim, I think we would get, if, I just think your clothes are just repelling these gators. Sorry, boys. This is where a white boy stops the whole culture and become part of your world thing. Just short stay on. Okay, so we're standing there, and, and I'm the guy holding the flashlight. And like, shine the torch. What? Shut up! And, and, then, and then the... The gator goes away. They didn't like it when I came along, but I became part of their culture. Never got a gator, but they did. They got this one without me. Um, so this is how we learned how they got their meat in the meat department. And then we also learned how they sing. They didn't have a drum set like they, we do here, which I love. This is how they sing. So uh, they said, let's see a white boy can dance and play. They didn't know that I played the drums. So, see, up to that point, I was the laughing stock. They laugh when we go get the gator. They laugh when I pull a canoe. Or, sorry, pull, meaning, um, like, pull it, paddle it. And because if you don't paddle the canoe right, you just go in circles down the river while everyone's watching, laughing. Kids, come look at this. White boys trying to paddle. But then they said, let's, let's have white boy play. And so I started to play, and, and I was able, it's like, sagune, sagune, bop, bop, bop. And they're like, who taught you that? <laughs> Later, I found after we presented the gospel to them, we had believers, they laughed. They said, Tim, that first night you played, we thought you were one of our dead spirits that came back to life. We're like, There's no way he could have known that. I didn't tell them I knew how to play. And then they said, you didn't tell us? I said, yeah, I thought it'd be kind of fun. And uh, they said, who were we playing to? We were playing to the rain god. Oh, really? Who's the rain god? Let's talk about him. We learned their language and culture. We became in the world, but not of the world. And we took notes so that we could finally present the gospel to them. And, and that's why we went, to present the gospel. But if you look in verse uh, 19 there, it says, we just don't present the gospel. If you want to throw 19 up there on the screen, we don't present the gospel. We also make disciples. This is where we taught. Um, we make disciples. Now, disciple making isn't a one-week deal. Think of that. Think how long it took to make a disciple here. Just pause with me for a second. Picture with me. We want to make a disciple at North Point so that he can become an elder. How many years does that take? Long time. Years. Now I want you to picture someone from Celebrate Recovery who's been drinking or he's been doing stuff and there's needing recovery. And we want to take him from Celebrate Recovery, disciple, so that he can become an elder. How long does that take? Years. At least three, if maybe more. So when he's saying, go and make disciples, this isn't just go quick. It takes a long time. It takes your life. And, and so when we left, I was 18 years old. Um, when I heard this message, say go. And so I said, okay, I'll go. And 
you start this training process. It's four years. And it's actually in Jackson, Michigan. I've never been to Michigan before. And, and then they drove outside of Michigan and, uh, sorry, outside of Jackson. And I'm like, there's farmland. They don't have this in L.A. I'm sure they have it outside of L.A. This is like the movies. This is so cool. So we get to Jackson. I meet my wife, beautiful woman. And we get in training. And this is the timeline. This, this timeline, let this sink in, okay? This timeline represents 20 years, according to New Tribes Missions Method. It takes about 20 years to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And praise God for getting baptized this morning. Amen. That's why we do that, because it's right here, and we want to do what this book says. And if we really want to do what this book says, we need to do what this book says in the time that God makes it. Our timeline, our microwave timeline, isn't the Holy Spirit's timeline. You see, I have to go and I have to learn what, they're say, what they believe and what's going on back here in order to preach the word in their language. See, they didn't have a written language. No letters, no alphabet. Think about that. We had to create it. I think there's about 19 letters. And we settled on 19 letters. And then we had to write storybooks. And then we made history books. So that we could learn how to translate. Then we finally translated God's word for the very first time in their language. And then we, we held God's word up. And when we started teaching, we said, it's not man's word, it's God's word. We're just going to read what the creator of the universe says. Now, when we first said creator, they're, they're not fully getting it. Because they have a lot of different gods. They had the rain god. And so we go through the gospel, evangelism, and the church. This is 20 years. This is what God has called us to. And so I want to share the gospel with you this morning. Don't tune out on me here. The gospel is like the greatest movie of all time. It's like Lord of the Rings, but better. You want a Lord of the Rings marathon? This is the gospel marathon. So I need someone to help me. We're going to present the gospel as we did. So one of you guys, young, burly guys with more muscles than me, why don't you stand up and help me put this up? So can you go to the other side? Sorry, I'm not communicating clearly. I'm supposed to be a communicator. Um, if you just stand there with me, and we're going to ho hoist this up. There we go. Thanks, buddy. Oh, yeah. There we go. All right. Thanks. That's it. Thanks, Ben. Good job. All right. So go back to that picture of the teaching house that we taught in. We took them through this timeline, and we hung up the timeline around uh, the teaching house. And we said, when you look at history, you need to look at history the way the creator of the universe looks at history. And we said, God has given us his history. It's not six million years. It's not 75 years, which is what they thought. You see, their timeline of life is with the oldest person. And when the oldest person dies, that's how old they are. That's how history is. And we said, no, history spans over 6,000 years. One guy freaked out and ran into the bush, into the tribe in the jungle. He screamed. He said, no way. Can you imagine it never knowing anything beyond 100 years? And then some guy says, yeah, actually, there's a whole 
6,000 years. Not 6 million, not 1 million, 6,000. Our view of history must be God's view of history, and he's given it to us. It's not science. I would say science confirms it. So here we are, looking at history. Now, the reason this is so powerful, follow me here. Oh, I just love this. Because I didn't see it before. I grew up in Sunday school with the Moses felt and the three little guys following Moses. Didn't know where that fit. Talk about Abraham. Abraham, who? The sin, where does that fit? You see, when you come to a story and you stand here and you're looking at that story, God expects you to know what's on this side of the story and that side of the story so that you're in the story. And we wanted them to be in the story. Little plug, you can buy this online. I have this in my office. I, I have tons of these in my office. There's a little book, a smaller version of this that I teach our kids through every week. And I, I say, boys, okay, I point to Abraham. Now you tell us for our evening Bible time, everything you know about this. And it's so cool. They're like, I'm going to talk about Abraham. And, then, and this is how it all fits together. God wants you to know how it all fits together. When you get here, he expects you to know what happened there. Otherwise, here makes no sense. And it hadn't to me for years. Follow me here. Okay, here we go. So don't be discouraged or sad like, oh, I can't see it. It's on the screen. Follow. In the beginning, God, it took us a week to talk about just God. Two hours a day, five days a week. And then on Saturday night, it went from 8 to 4 a.m. 8 to 4 a.m. Yeah, I guess I wasn't looking for the while, but you, okay, you get it. You didn't have to tell me you got it. That's a long time. That is a Bible study that I didn't look forward to, to be honest. I like my sleep. But in their culture, you get to the most important point of the day about midnight. Be in the world, not of the world. Meet them where they're at. So there we are, preaching God first week. God is the creator. He's higher than the 72 other gods that you have. And counting. You see, when someone dies, oh, this was crazy. Listen to this. When someone dies, they become a god. They become a spirit for you to be afraid of. See, they don't have a word for love in their language. It's all payback. Actually, when we tried to translate the word love, it's five words to try and describe. Don't pay back. It's complete a gift without payback. That's our word for love. Because it was completely deleted from their culture and lifestyle. Can you imagine not having the word love in your culture and language? This is a new concept we have to create for them and describe for them because everything's payback. So when someone dies, this is what most of my funerals, because I have my little book, you know, and I'm going to learn how to, you know, how are they dying? And, and we say, hey, we have, a, we have a message to tell you. Do you want to hear the message? It's like, nope, I'm ready to die. Because that guy slept with my wife, and when I die, I'm going to come back and cut his leg off. And they'll yell it. They'll be laying right here. They're about to die, and they're yelling out all these curses. And my second daughter, and you didn't marry the guy I wanted you to marry, I'm going to give a disease to your secondborn. They're very specific. And when that happens, you better pay my wife $400 or $400 worth of pigs. And that was their death. Imagine sitting by your dead at the bedside. I'm going to pay you back, son. That was their version of love. And the 
the gods, the spirits were counting. So we had to say, God is higher than them. He's the creator. We had to describe who he is. He created everything. He's above everything. He knows your thoughts. He knows, he sees your secrets. That was one thing that really hit them because they could, they could hide from their God. Or the, they think they could hide from dead grandpa that just died. And through all these curses, he'd be like, guy named Roger, pretty funny. It's not funny, sad, but it, it's funny. Follow. So he, his, his second born was sick. And granddaddy said, I'm going to make your second born sick. It was okay when the first born was sick, but the first born was sick. Then it was the dead guy in the cave across the way. And then my third, so second born sick, and he takes, you know, some of his money and he puts it and he gives it to his brother's nephew. There's a whole method to it. Just follow me. So he gives it to him and he said, this is all I have. I've worked, I worked, I work. Hey, would you please make my second son better? Heal him. And he's like, I'll try. I'll go talk to him. So then he takes the money and he says, yeah, this is all he has. So Roger comes over to me. He says, I kept 20 for myself. He doesn't know. My son's going to be okay tomorrow. I still got him. You see? He says, I still got him back. I didn't give it all to him. I was still able to trick him. See, so they thought they could trick their gods. But we said, this creator knows your thoughts. Woo! That was huge. He knows your secrets. And they said, every single one? Yeah. There's no way I'm going to trick this one. All right, go on. And then that was how we went through the story. Okay. That was just a cool story. There we go. Seven days of creation. God was the creator. Once he's established, he creates man and woman. There's Adam and Eve. Everything's good. And then they sin against God, and there's this problem. Now the curse comes, and they're separated. You have two groups, Satan's group and God's group. And we walked them through this. And we did not move on until they got it, okay? And then once they get it, it took about three days. We had to teach the lesson three different times, three different ways, till finally we had the majority actually get it, all right? And then the promise comes. The promise is the deliverer. God sees this problem of Satan's group and God's group. And he said, I'm going I'm to do something about this. But until that time, you guys have to make sin offerings to me because the payment for sin is death. Don't miss this. The payment for sin is death. And I'm going to show you. So God was the first person to ever make the first sacrifice and the final sacrifice. Yay! This is cool how God puts it together. First sacrifice, he kills an animal, and then there you see Adam and Eve crying as they're leaving the garden. They're separated, but God in his mercy still killed an animal, took the skin, put it over them, and said, that's how you come to me, through the death of another. That's how you come back to me, through the death of another. This is established right here. Then we go on to the next one, Cain and Abel. Abel brings the right sacrifice. He brings that sin offering. Cain doesn't. Abel gets taken out and into... uh, Glory with the Lord, how or where he was, we don't know, but he gets taken out, Seth, and then we go through the line, and then Noah. Noah was offering the sin offering, and he believed in this seed of the woman to come. But no one else would, so he said, all right, kill everyone. So he killed everyone, except Noah. Sucks to be them. Um, they should have 
listened and obeyed. Okay, so there's Noah, and then you have Shem, and then this red line goes through. Keep following me, the red line, and then Babel comes. See, the mission at that point, he said, I want you guys to fill the earth. Are you hearing me? Fill the earth. Uh Uh-uh. We're going to make a tower for ourselves. We're going to make a name for ourselves. And we're going to congregate, because if we fill the earth, our language might change. They only had one language at this time. And so we told them, this is where all of our different languages came from. Over 8,000. He's like, bam! Now you're going to fill the earth. Now you're going to fulfill the mission I gave you. The great commission he gave them at that point was fill the earth. It finally did. Okay, so then Abram, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now he says, I'm going to make a great nation through you, Abraham. And then the, the nation actually happens. They're in Egypt. They're in slavery. But God takes them out with Moses. And then they wander through the wilderness. Things are crazy they're not believing, so everyone 20 years and older had to die. Another bad day for those boys. But then the 20-year-old and under finally get into the promised land. There's judges, and then there's three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. Solomon had a thousand wives. Don't do that. Because of that, the kingdom was split, and eventually the kingdom got taken from them. He says, I'm going to destroy you if you don't turn to me. Destroyed, done. Okay, so then we go on. And the red line continues. The prophets are talking. This is the end of the Old Testament as we see it. And then the middle part. When we stand here, God expects us to know all of this before we take the step into the New Testament. Otherwise, when I talk about the Messiah, that word doesn't mean much to you. But if you studied it out, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Greek version is Christ. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It actually is a transliteration of Messiah. The Christ is coming. The Christ is coming. The Messiah is coming. Same word, two different languages. And so he comes. The Messiah finally comes. And he has to fulfill over a hundred of these prophecies. And he finally dies. You see, up to this point, 4,000 years, you got... Thousands, I would say millions, maybe trillions, maybe billions of dead animals for all of these sin offerings that God said they had to make. Thousands, millions. Get your mind around that. We let them follow through this whole process to where they lived it, to where when we were, we were two months into it and one of the boys in one family was sick, So he sacrificed his pig to God, hoping that God would heal his sick son. He was living in the story. Till finally we get here and we say Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again to be the sin offering. Ding, 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 ding. What does that make you think of when I say sin offering? For the Yembi guys, when they heard that, Well, the very first person was to make a sin offering here. That was God. And they continued and continued. And then we said, he's the final sin offering. You don't have to make another one. Really? So at midnight, we had about 11 believers that night. Up until 4 a.m., that was the greatest four hours. As you hear people tell, no way. He is the Lamb of God, that final Lamb sacrifice. The payment for sin is death, and it was paid for by Jesus Christ, the Messiah. 
and we had a church born, and now here we are five years later with leaders and a church there. We've just only reached one tribe, one language group. There's so many more that need to be reached. And he wants to use you to go and reach them. He wants to use me to go and reach them. I would say we're all called to be a part of the Great Commission. But if we don't... The Great Commission is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's us here. What was the Great Commission at the Tower of Babel? Was it to go make disciples of all nations? Fill the earth. What was the Great Commission given to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. Have lots of babies. The Great Commission for Abraham wasn't to make disciples. The Great Commission for Moses wasn't to go make disciples. The great, do you realize this is something new? This isn't old news. This is new to the entire history of God. And he's saying it to you, and I want you to say it to the next group of disciples and the next group and the next group, and I want you all to be a part of this. You're either called to stay and send, or you're called to go. To take the message of the gospel to those who have never heard. When I, at 18, decided to be a missionary, I didn't really have this affectionate love for the people of Papua New Guinea. Listen carefully. I didn't have this burning desire and go love them. God said go. He wants to love them and tell them this message of the gospel and make disciples, so I will go. I didn't hear a visible, uh, audible call. It's just, he said to do it. I was 18, said it's going to take your life. All right, I'll give you the next 20 years or however long it takes. But I didn't have this love for them, per se, that I was hoping to have. I didn't have this feeling inside. When I got there, the Lord gave me the love for them. But it wasn't, it wasn't me loving them. It was Jesus loving them through me. You see, if I just go and make disciples and I go and I do it, but have not love... I am nothing. So that's why I felt I wanted to put in the greatest commandment in today's message. Okay, don't, don't lose me. It's going to make sense. 
It sounds so cliche as to say, if I go and make disciples and have not love, I am nothing. Now let that sink in. If you do not know God's love, you cannot give it to someone else. If you do not have a story about God's love in your life, you cannot give it because you don't have it. You don't know it. You know about it. God is love. God is love. But you don't know it. You see, you know if you have God's love if you have a story to tell me. I know his love because of. And I didn't understand this until I got into Yembe. I was like, God, do you, do you love me? He's like, yeah, I do. Remember when you were six years old and I allowed you to be abused in the way no one should ever be? And then in eight years old, that person showed you pornography and then you continued on until 16 years old, living a double life secretly not wanting anyone to know what was really going on with you? You remember that? Yeah. And you remember what I told you when you were 16? Yeah. I was, in the, I was in the car with a pastor and explaining my whole life and how disgusting I felt. And I was living this double life in church. I was leading worship still. I was in, the, I was in group. I was 16 years old. But I wasn't sure, am I male or female? I'm looking at this junk, and I had this junk happen to me. I just think I'm dirty goods, and God can't use me to go and do anything. I'm just going to put God out of his misery. Follow me here. This is what I thought. This is Tim's thought. I'm going to put him out of his misery and just kill myself. So I'm going to tell the pastor, just so they know, when they're at my funeral, they can say why I had to take myself out so I wouldn't be a burden to God anymore. I didn't know God's love. It was a word on the Sunday school paper. But in that moment, this guy put his hands around me. He says, what did you believe, Tim? Well, God loves me because he paid the price on the cross for me. I, I get that. Okay. Do you know who you are now because of that? I don't know. You tell me. You're his boy. Just because this happened to you and because you're still in this sin doesn't mean you stopped being his boy. Your feelings are based on a lie and a little bit of truth. The truth is, yes, there is sin, there is mistakes, there is failures, yes. But don't forget the other part of the truth. That because you believe the good news, didn't mean to skip, but that's okay. <laughs> because you believe the good news, now you stand on this side of the story and you are his boy. And you can't feel it, but I'm just going to keep saying it to you until it sinks down in and I'm going to hold you. And he held me in, the, in this car in the Walmart parking lot and says, God loves you, God loves you. And he just kept saying it and he had to whisper it. And I'm just bawling. I said, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. And he started re re reminding me of the truth. I don't know how it happened, but hours later, it started to sink in. And this little pinto in the Walmart parking lot. 
That's when I knew God loved me. He loves you in your darkest hour. And you know what he's saying to you? I was there. I don't love some future version of you that I have to clean up. I love you now. I love you then. I love the future version because I know what you're going to be like. And I know your failures. I know God loves me. And he's saying, that's the love I want you to show to the envy people. You cannot give what you have not received. And if you don't have a story of love, ask him for it. Maybe you're like me, you're sitting there and you're just going, this whole church thing is just stupid. I go in and out of Sunday service every week. Because that was me. My God, is this real? And even in Yembe, there was times where I questioned it. There was doubt. I would cry myself to sleep at night in Yembe because I was overwhelmed with the mistake that I made. Remember what I told you. I love you right now. We agree that that was a sin. That was wrong, but I love you. So now I want you to go and share that love with them. And so we have a lot of death in our village. People don't name their kids because they wait a few months to see if they'll live. One lady said she wasted all of her good names on her first six kids, so she named her seventh one of her dog names, and he turned out to be alive. She's like, go figure. But a lot of death. And he said, Tim, I want you to go and comfort them with the comfort that I've given you. You cannot give comfort truly if you've not felt the comfort from the creator of the universe. Cool passage. You want to talk about God's personalness where he wants to personally talk with you? Don't turn there. It's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to turn there. Just listen. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, line 4. Just listen. Close your eyes and listen. If you want, open your eyes. Doesn't matter. You can do what you want. Um, But he says in this passage, Moses, we're right here. Moses is talking to the people of Israel. They're back to go in the land. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. When you see the word Lord, it's not the best translation. Follow me here. You see, when you want to know someone, you know their name. When I wanted to get to know Courtney, and I could describe what she was, she was beautiful and hot, and I wanted to marry her, and they said, what's your name? I probably should have found that out. Do you see how important a name is? You see, God was so distant to me growing up in Sunday school. I didn't have this love relationship. I believed this, but I didn't fully feel that love. This is a love verse for you. He said, I'm going to share my name. Now check this next slide out when it says, listen, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh alone. My name is Timothy. You can call me Tim. I am a father, a husband, and a dad. I just repeated that. A teacher, a preacher, a missionary. But my name is Tim. I'm only one Tim. God only has one name. There's only one name for him. And you see, around the Israel times, tons of gods with different names. He's like, I don't want you to be confused. Even though the Canaanites and the Egyptians have a god, 
I want you to know that I'm the only true one, and here's my name. Boom! Personal connection. You can know my name. That's why I took out the word Lord and put Yahweh, because you can know his name. And he says, I am Yahweh, your God. That's why we sung that song. That's why we're going to sing the song at the end, because I want it to have more power to you. Yahweh is his name. God is looking at you and saying, you want to know me, but you don't even know my name? Call me by my name, Yahweh. Check this out. Check this out, okay? Watch this. So Yahweh is his name, right? Who did, he, who did Yahweh send to pay for our sins? What was the gospel? Who, who is the guy? Jesus. What did his name in Hebrew? Yeshua. Okay, look at this next slide. So we have Yahweh, Yeshua, and Ruah is the spirit. So Ruah, Yahweh. Did you know that his name is actually said Yah in some parts of the Old Testament? So when you look at this, go to the next slide. What bam Here on North Point, Yahweh, your God, is one. Isn't that cool? I want to know you personally. I want to know you like a dad. I want to hold you. I want to comfort you. I want you to feel it. I want your heart to be touched so that you can go touch others in the nations. My question, has your heart been touched? Do you have that love story between you and God? Not just you and your husband or wife or your kids. Do you have that love story? And if you don't, you're not alone right now. I hope you've heard that. I was alone. I felt alone for years. He said, Tim, I want you to take the love that I've shown you, and I want you to love the enemy people. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to make disciples. But without love, there's nothing there. I had to share the gospel first. It's the first thing that we know of love. But I want you to be very clear. This is the gospel. That is not the gospel. This is the preparation for the gospel. This is the gospel. And now standing on the other side of the gospel, I've been given his spirit. I am his son. I am his boy because of the gospel. If you don't even believe the gospel or understand it, this whole love I'm talking about is not for you yet. Maybe your first step today is to believe the gospel. Maybe today is the first time it clicked. I want you to tell me or someone here this morning that it clicked for you. Maybe that's your step to understand the gospel in its purest form. Maybe it's I need to ask God to touch my heart because I know I have secrets that I don't want other people to know. Listen to me carefully. You are only as godly as your secrets and what you do in secret. Ow. See, now I secretly believe I'm daddy's boy and he loves me. I'm Yahweh's boy. I have a dad. His name's Yahweh. So we're going to sing a song at the end right now to Yahweh again. And I hope that word has so much more meaning. Jamie's going to come out. She's only going to sing about a minute of it. But while she's singing, if you want someone to pray for you, because you're like I was, you need someone just to hold you and remind you and comfort you. I'm sitting right here. You know what? There's other men in here. They got arms too. If you just need someone to hold you and pray for you, you don't have to say the junk, whatever. I, I just want to pray for you. I want you to have this moment with God. Or 
Maybe you're one of the ones that is going to go and pick one of those letters up, one of those letters, and you're going to be the 1% of the congregation and go reach the nations. See, 1% of you are called to go make disciples of the nations. 99% of you, you're called to stay, and you, you need to know that you're called to stay, and I don't want you feeling this guilt trip that I'm not a missionary and I'm not able to go over there. No, you're called to be here. You're called to be a missionary here. You're called to send the 1% that need to go. Are you the 99% or are you the 1%? Know it and know it confidently. Maybe that's your prayer request. Am I the 99? Then I, then I need to, to know that and then to send the Tims and the long-term 20-year-old missionaries over there. It's like a mutual fund. You keep putting into it, and then in 20 years, boom! There is a church, a real-life church with real-life believers. It's not a fake thing. It didn't happen in one week. It happened as God wanted it to. Maybe that's your prayer request. Reveal to me that I'm the 99% or how I need to be involved in the Great Commission. I can pray, I can give, or I can go and be the 1%. Some of you need to hear. You need to follow Courtney and I as we have followed Christ and go. Go get trained for four years and give your life. No greater love than a man lays his life down for another. And if you're the 1%, go and lay your life down for another people group. 20 years. You can do it. So now, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And then she'll dismiss us. Yahweh, our daddy, I pray you would touch our hearts now. Those that should sing, I pray they would sing. Those that should not and talk to you, I pray they would talk. May these next two minutes and 24 hours be the time where our hearts truly connect with you. In your name, amen.